0: had a lot of Tank Dell that I took at the beginning of the year, but those teams aren't as good as the ones that I took later when Tank Dell's ADP right. like moved right. it during the preseason. And I didn't advance a single Tank Dell team, which is wild to me.
1: Definitely. Because
0: yeah. He he had a pretty high advance rate from what it looked like.
1: It's cuz I have I have none of him uh closer to the start of the year either. I have only when no one wanted to touch him. Correct. Yeah, right. Hey, good morning. What's going on, my friends? Welcome to the stochastic.com ownership strategy show. A fun one for you today. Because, look, you know what we do here. We, we go the extra mile. So what are we going to do today? We're going to touch on the Saturday slate and then the Sunday slate, and we're going to do it in a timely fashion. We're not going to keep you here until seven at night. God, I hope not. But we're mm-hmm. going to hit on all of that. And uh, look, it's a big three-game slate. I mean, th- Look, when I say big three-game slate, I mean big contest three games on a Saturday. Pretty awesome. If you ask me, so I'm looking forward to this one, Ben and I talked about it on the podcast exclusive. We even went back, Eric, and the the, the podcast exclusive only found on on our podcast platform. We even went back and like pulled up the Thursday, the Thanksgiving slate uh, and other two and three game slates that we've had this year, ran them through the post contest simulator to see what type of builds were winning and, what type of weird stuff was, was productive and profitable. And man, it is just such a different world you're living in when you're talking about two and three game slates compared to any main slate, any showdown slate. It's a realm of its own, man.
0: Yeah, it is. And you're looking for differentiation any way you can. You're looking at leaving lots of salary on the table. We're on main slates. That's something that, you know, you're rarely falling outside of four or $500 that you're leaving on the table because you're reaching up for top end players and and you know there's going to be somebody in the top range that's going off constantly you're trying to fade big pieces like a Tyreek Hill that would have won you a ton of money uh the other day like there's just so many of these two game slates three game slates where yeah and you throw out all defense rules on planet earth you had four or three Miami guys that took down the 555 uh with the tennessee titans defense on a two gamer so i enjoy it but i think the thing that's really fun about saturday before we get to the main slate every single team has a winning record that's playing on saturday you have the seven and six minnesota vikings since at cincinnati both teams seven and six Pitt and indy seven and six respectively for both of them denver seven and six against detroit nine and four i mean i'm looking forward to just sitting on my couch on saturday
1: wish i could say i could do the same
0: (laughs) Don't I, I mean it is what it is it, the time's coming for me soon i can feel it but i know until I then know.
1: well uh, i'll be able to do some of that i got it so i'm gonna i have i have a um a little like a, tr- a thing that i've been doing with my daughter she's she'll be three in march oh. but i i take her to gymnastics class at nine o'clock and then we got this great breakfast place by us so just me and her go and get breakfast every time after that uh which is awesome and then And then I take her to swim class at 12 and then she takes a nap at one. So that might actually work. She'll take like a two hour nap, but going out, dude, I'm telling you.
0: Stick the landing, just you're going to crush it.
1: You'll be in the, you'll be, you'll be in this world soon enough. Yeah. Do a little something like that. Like the whole breakfast every week with them, you know, like just you. Mm -hmm. Pretty sweet, man. I've been trying to even like, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And should we've been doing it long enough. Like I was taking her there when she was one. So like now she goes there and she's not a total scoundrel. (laughs) You go in there, this kid's screaming everywhere. Yep. And I look at her like, hey, how about you? You know what I mean? How about look at you? Not bad.
0: See, I do have a 95 pound Bernice Mountain Dog, which has at least given me some practice of like you take him out in public or there's this bar that's pretty close to us called Foreman's that we go down to quite a bit. Jordan Klein loves and frequents that place. But basically... Every time that we go there, it's kind of like a 50-50 raffle where you're going to either get the perfect version of him where he just sits there, sleeps, he's perfectly (laughs) well-behaved, or you get the version where he wants to chew on the table, say hi to everybody, don't you dare carry a drink, or I'm going to tackle everybody in your way and have you spill it everywhere. So uh, that's been good practice, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I I think the thing that's... um, I think I'm looking forward to most about that is just like... I don't know. it It feels as though you having your second kid now too, like there's there's going to be things that you look forward to doing with both of your kids. Like there's just going to be like different segments. And like, I, I my parents did a really good job of like, oh, this is the thing that my kid's into. You're doing the gymnastics thing and then you'll go to football practice and you'll have like these different individual times with each of those kids. What a cool deal to have going with your daughter.
1: It's cool, man. You know what I love most about the newborn stage, by the way? Hmm. When it's over. <laughs> Me too. I've always
0: said if I could fast forward to my kids holding yes. a golf club at eight, yes. I'm I'm so there for it. But no, like fast
1: forward to just like one and a half. Dude. One and a half's fun. They're running around. They do Newborn Phase stinks. I don't any grown man that tells me they like it, i think they're lying. Maybe I think they're lying. It sucks. Anyway. Or
0: they're not involved at all. Right. Maybe. I, yeah. I'm
1: sure eventually I'll love her. <laughs> eventually. It's a joke. It's a joke.
0: I know. All right, right now it's just a shitting rock. It just yeah, sits yeah, there.
1: Yeah. Uh, but uh, David Eckenrod is blasting us, said they were done by 10.59. I was watching that show. No, no, no. I, dude, I'm talking about, I'm talking, I would say blame Josh and Adam because we're all in the same Zoom room after that. So everyone was talking afterwards. I'm not saying they're show late saying they were talking. Anyway, uh, let's get into it, man. Real quick, we can review. I wanted to to hit on a couple of things with you. First off, Millie Maker winner mm-hmm. was, uh, you, you'll, I'm curious through your thoughts on this. By the way, happy to, oh my, how could I forget? Happy to have you guys here. Listen, take one single second, atone to for your sins. It's Thursday morning. Hit that thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. And if you're watching or listening after the fact, Leave a comment down below. We read these comments, we respond to them and check out everything and all this stuff goes to podcast form, including all of our podcast exclusive content that you can only find there. Appreciate you guys in advance for helping support this channel and everything we do. It goes a long way. And uh, quite frankly, without you, we wouldn't be able to get this done. All right. So Millie maker winner was Hacksaw 11 Lamar Jackson four percent mixon rashad white four percent mixon was 26 debo at 17 likely at 15 i liked likely a lot last Mm week austin eckler at five percent vikings at six i don't think i was landing on this but actually you know what outside of eckler this is a pretty standard lineup with the only i mean double stack he did have odell did he have odell i think he did and i forgot to write that down I think there was Odell Beckham in here as well, Eric, but it was a double stack with Lamar.
0: It's good stuff. I mean, one of the more just solid, normal type Millie maker lineups where you get a really low owned quarterback, you get two pass catchers along for the ride. You don't necessarily need a run back in some of those situations. And I will say the Austin Eckler thing still just irks me. I mean, it just irks me that He found a way to get 20-plus for the first time, it feels like, in a while, at a low price point. Only 10 carries. We got the news. I I ended up jamming just about everywhere that I possibly couldn't pick them. 14 carries for Austin Eckler just took less than. And so I I ended up profiting a little bit off of that. But, like, from a DFS perspective, hitting running back was kind of a disaster last week. Or at least that's the way it felt like in my lineups, a lot of the chalk. I mean, we can talk about Zach Moss ad nauseum. The, The guy just fall in the box one time, that would have been enjoyable. But uh, overall, looking at the construction of that lineup, Odell, welcome to the party. Good to see you. And Isaiah Likely, we saw some apprehension earlier in the season to really give him the Mark Andrews role when we saw Mark Andrews out that week one. But that's just like the the meaning of like not taking a one game sample size for gospel. And so Isaiah Likely, 15%. I, I know the Sims had him higher than that for me. And uh, I was very happy to have Isaiah Likely be my highest on tight end, but uh, didn't have anything remotely close to this because there was no Odell or Lamar in my life.
1: Yeah, I, I liked Lamar. I liked Likely. I just, I, I didn't. the pieces weren't fully put together. And that's what you need, right? Like, it yep. doesn't mean you can't still cash. It just, you if if you're looking to really, you know, solidify your season, all the pieces need to come together these days. It's a tough game. Uh, and then I want you to, since we're going to hit on the Saturday slate, uh, I wanted to take a look at with you uh, on the the big Monday special. Now, mm-hmm. two games and three games, it's different, no doubt, but it's definitely closer than eleven games or ten games and and you know two games, so um, or three games, I should say. Yeah. Will Levis and DeAndre Hopkins stack with Derek Henry? Okay. Yep. With Derrick Henry and Titans defense. Hmm. Raheem Mostert, Saquon Barkley, Jaden Reed, Tucker Craft, Jalen Waddle. So running back wide receiver for Miami with no Tua. Hopkins and Derrick Henry running back wide receiver with Will Levis and Titans defense. And then tight end wide receiver for Green Bay in Jaden Reed and Tucker Craft with the one-off Saquon Barkley. That was the winner. And a lot of these guys are going to be popular. Now, granted, no Tyree kill here ended up being significant but it's more just it's less about the individual ownership outside of tyree kill and more just the build it was levis with hopkins henry and the titans defense
0: yeah it, i would say it's a little bit surprising you didn't say tajay spears in that
1: nope, which no no tajay spears
0: that's so wild because i mean Anybody, there were a couple of people on Twitter just going ballistic about how, oh, it's a 14-point game, and, you know, Tajay Spears is the best play on the slate. And I'm like, yeah, it probably is not a bad play whatsoever. He completely smashes the victory lap. You need to have Tajay Spears. No, you did not, which is kind of wild. For a two-game slate with limited options at the running back position to not get the guy who goes for, what, 18 or something, sub-5K. But the whole key was just finding ways to have just the Titans onslaught. Will Levis ends up being, what, 7%, I think it was, that I saw in the $20? I mean, it was it was really low ownership. Tommy DeVito ended up a little bit higher, I think. It was like 1% higher than that of Will Levis. And uh it's just the importance of finding ways to be different without being stupid. And this one makes complete sense. You have both of the pass catchers uh from the Miami side, you know, and a come-from-behind mode. Obviously, it ended up being the inverse of that, but trying to predict game flow, trying to predict game script. We can do that all we want. We can talk about it. It can be a fun talking point. But at the end of the day, you just want to put lineups together that tell different stories that you might not even know how it works out. If you told me Miami was up 14 inside of three minutes, there's no way. There's absolutely no way that I would think that a Will Levis double with Hopkins would end up being something that uh, would find a way to the top. But hey, three minutes left in a football game where you have to throw it nonstop it can work out for just about anybody even the likes of a Tommy DeVito or uh a Will Levis here in this spot so Tua probably overowned relative to all of the tools and Will Levis and Tommy DeVito definitely underowned relative to chances of success on a two game slate
1: let's take a look at this saturday slate then because it's uh it's a good one i, yeah. I think so i think i think it's like a legitimately good slate for three games it's it's going to force you into some uncomfortable positions. There's no doubt about that uh, because Ben and I talked about it yesterday. This is where, and we're going to have ownership for the Saturday slate so any minute now, Tom was running it uh, as we speak. So I'll keep updating, but I think you and I'll have a pretty decent uh, understanding of what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. We were talking about, Hey, what are the ways on a three gamer to get different? You know, you have to get different. The guy that won the Millie got very different. Do, do you, do you have to get that weird? With a three-gamer, maybe not. Like, maybe not. But what happens, like, if Justin Jefferson is super low-owned compared to a cheaper Amon Ross St. Brown, a cheaper Jamar Chase, a cheaper Michael Pittman Jr.? Of course, you have a guy like Nick Mullins uh, that's going to be starting this game. I'm not sure how much of a I'm not sure how much of a difference it makes between him and Josh Dobbs. They finished with three points last game. Mullins drove him down for the final field goal, the only field goal. But like, how does a how does a Justin Jefferson, you're a Vikings fan, how does he what role does he play on a slate like this if his ownership, questionable tag, right? Backup quarterback and Nick Mullins, other guys that are cheaper than him in better situations, well, arguably better situations. What if a guy like him is really under
0: Then you might just have to blindly click on the name and, and hold thinking. your nose. I mean, 13 offensive snaps there that we had for Justin Jefferson. Is it weird to say that I'm happy he just didn't re-aggravate his hamstring, that it, he got crushed over the middle? Like uh, that might end up
1: being... Injury. That sounds good.
0: Yeah, it's really fun to you go from having your leg feel like, you know, you rip something in it to to having your chest nearly knocked out of your body. Um, That was just a ridiculous hit that he took. Josh Dobbs did not need to throw that ball to Justin Jefferson. There are options like not getting your number one killed there, but uh, 8,100 for him here too. It's a little bit cheaper than we had before. He's the most expensive wide receiver on the board here, but I mean, I'm going to obviously prefer the likes of Jamar Chase going up against the same Minnesota secondary. Michael Pittman's going to be popular at home playing against Pitber- Pittsburgh. And then Amon St. Brown, I expect him to be the highest known out of everybody when the all all is said and done with the ownership. So out of the four guys, 7K plus, I mean, you're going to want to play some of the ownership game. And Justin Jefferson, God, you, there's, no, there's no telling what's going to happen. But I do think that he has at least some rapport with Nick Mullins. They at least are familiar with each other over the last couple of years uh, in Minnesota. And I think there's a better chance that there's more rapport there than what there might have been with Josh Dobbs, but it's hard to say for sure. But on the road in Cincinnati, they're going to need to rely on him because our running game, it's already been problematic. You have Alexander Madison dinged up. Ty Chandler's going to probably end up being uh, the most popular running back on the slate in the event that Madison's out. But uh, Justin Jefferson, he is a dude and if you get him, like, sub 10% on any three-game slate, I think you just blindly click on it.
1: It's also a matter of, like, even if they don't have a rapport, you're still talking about a scenario where a backup quarterback comes in. Who does he feel most comfortable throwing yeah. the ball to, you know, if his life depended on it? We've seen it with Devontae Adams in in Las Vegas. We've seen it with with Will Levis and, and DeAndre Hopkins. You see it all the time, right? Like, mm-hmm. All of the time you see these type of situations play out where the the top guy, right? The, the, the alpha receiver is going to get a ton of opportunities and look, no one's saying that Jordan Addison isn't going to be good. I think he already is, but you've got, you've got a backup quarterback probably going to lean on Justin Jefferson at running back though. And, and we'll move around here. Then we'll go, then we'll, then we'll hit uh Sunday by positions here, get to our top stacks, lineup build at the end of the show at running back. You're talking about uh, Jonathan Taylor. He's not going to play. Jonathan Taylor is not going to play. I know he's not officially ruled out, but that means Zach Moss, who he's been given literally every opportunity in two starts without just Jonathan Taylor, the last two. He's been given every opportunity to have absolute blow-up games, just blow-up games, right? And despite nine attempts, 10 looks inside of the 10-yard line, four goal line carries, 92 percent of running back rushing attempts 92 percent of snaps 11 targets he has not come through so you've got him you have montgomery and gibbs against the denver defense that has looked far better lately and then you have joe mixon who is facing minnesota so i i think once you get down past like javante you're getting into the tight chandler range of madison doesn't play warren and Najee harris chase brown coming off a good game on that big catch and run but what do you do at the top zach
0: moss is going to be the guy that obviously i think we're going to have projected the best is going to be the highest owned once we get to the flip he's up to 6200 his price keeps going up despite the fact that he's had what 2.7 yards per carry 2.2 2 yards per carry his last two games You listed off everything. He's had all the opportunity and all the land opposite uh, with no Jonathan Taylor there. And yeah, he's just going to be a good play here, even against a Pittsburgh defense because of that kind of opportunity. I think the next kind of question becomes, there's three backs that show up next in terms of projection. Javante Williams for Denver, Joe Mixon for Cincy, and Jameer Gibbs for Detroit. All of them are in like pseudo timeshares now because Joe Mixon... He's never had a deal with Chase Brown being on the field. Chase Brown, eight carries, three targets last week. He's finding his way on the field because y- you saw it with that long touchdown catch. He's kind of good. And this is maybe one of those like Samaje Pirine type situations where later in the season, Joe Mixon's not really getting it done the way that they need. And, you know, they're, they're getting some Chase Brown involvement, but that's not even necessarily the case because Joe Mixon's been good himself. So... I, it's it's going to be like these timeshares of like, hey, do we want to play both backs together from certain backfields, try to get everything involved, hope other situations fail. Javante Williams is probably the one I'm most inclined to fade. He came off of a big week against the Chargers last week. Yeah, he's on the road in Detroit here, but we're still not seeing that snap share flip in his favor. 59% of the snaps last week, Samaje Pirine, 21%, and then Jaleel McLaughlin, he's carved out like that 20, 15, 20% snap share pretty much every single game now. So I think he's probably the one guy last week. He put up a good game, but not something you absolutely needed to have there. 18 on a three game slate. You probably would be very, very happy with that. But uh, as I'm looking at the board, I just think there's better options to be had.
1: Okay. If you were to rank. So for me, it's like Javante Williams. We know he's getting a lot of work. He's going up against Detroit. They're five and a half point dogs. It's in a dome, pretty high total game. Do, does do things break his way eventually just based on the volume? I mean, it's funny because you could make a similar argument with Javante Williams that you could with Zach Moss. He's getting a ton of opportunities. Yeah, you have, like, McLaughlin back there and Samaji Pirine, but those guys aren't seeing enough work to really take anything away from him. Also, uh, Samaji Pirine, questionable. I assume he plays. It was labeled as knee-slash-rest mm-hmm. for why he wasn't practicing. But I, I – I think I have, to, uh, God, I think I have to go back to Zach Moss here.
0: Yep, same. It, it It's just a really good play. And I'm sure we'll get completely trolled on Twitter by everybody saying how smart they were and that Zach Moss was the easiest fate ever when he goes for 11. But at the same time, I I want to play better plays relative to their chances of success. And it's also relative to the chance of success of other running backs. It's easier to account for on a three-game slate where there's fewer options. But, you know, on a on a main slate, I mean, Zach Moss was giving you so much salary relief, and now what he's doing is he's just giving you an entire backfield. Sure, it's a difficult matchup. Pittsburgh, fifth against the running back position, just not giving up a ton of running back opportunities themselves because of how good that defense is, specifically that defensive line. But, I mean, God, it's too much opportunity. we got the ownership up now here, too, sitting at 39.5%. He is the highest known running back. Javante Williams, Joe Mixon, slightly uh, behind Look him there. Look how
1: concentrated that is among those guys.
0: And it's going to split it like there's going to be some variability there. I think as you go up in stakes, more people will be comfortable clicking on the the timeshare uh, or not, or less on the timeshare and more on the Zach Moss. I guess for me, who do you prefer out of Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery? Because I have a pretty clear cut answer of who I like more.
1: Uh, Montgomery. Same. It for me week in and week out. Is I I understand that you know a lot of people are aren't aren't a fan of of this type of thinking because Jameer Gibbs is the flashier, more exciting player with more breakaway potential and all of that good stuff. Although that's not to say that the David Montgomery hasn't had some big touchdown runs this year. Uh it, it just they're five and a half point favorites, and we've seen in these type of favorable game scripts, David Montgomery has been the preferred option. You know, last week, uh is is not indicative of of what you could see this week understandably they were still favored on the road but look i I like chicago in that game to cover not to win but they did and and they won handily in in, you know a cold game at 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 soldier field you look before that right they went up early against new orleans with 21 nothing like six minutes into the game david montgomery had 18 carries and 20 total touches so um i think if this were to be and you know against chicago the game before they were playing down by 12 they were down they almost lost that game uh they lost to green bay if you think they play in a favorable game script my my assumption is that both of these guys can have good games but montgomery gets more of the work yep i'm I'm
0: completely there with you i mean i strongly prefer it i think people are going to see the usage i think we see jameer gibbs get steamed to some extent he's now had Two of the last three games that they've been involved in together where he's played 68.9 and 63% of the snaps Jameer Gibbs has and David Montgomery 2835 in those respective games week 12 and 14 week 13 positive game script David Montgomery 61% of the snaps to Jameer Gibbs 46 I, I just think it's one of those spots and five and a half point favorites at home you're going to ride David Montgomery more than you're going to ride Jameer Gibbs, who, yeah, as you said, he's the flashier back. He's the guy who's going to be out there on passing downs and, and helps, you know, create some havoc uh, just as far as what he can do. But David Montgomery is your workhorse back here. And I think at home here in Detroit, 25 implied total here for Detroit. I think if we see ownership stay where it is here, where Gibbs is going to be six, seven, I could see a larger separation come Saturday Give me the 6,400 David Montgomery every single time.
1: I'm with you. Uh, I'm hesitant to play Warren or Nazi right now, though. Yep. But you're going to have to. Like, You're, you're not going to be able to full fade these guys if you're playing a ton of lineups, but uh, it's a split backfield on a bad team. Now, look, would I be surprised if Pittsburgh just came out and won this game? I honestly wouldn't. They're still 7-6. and six. They're in the thick of the playoff race. Sometimes you have to separate what we've seen recently from what – like from what is actually happening. And they found ways to win games in ugly fashion. Mike Tomlin as a dog has been very, very impressive. Okay. Uh, very impressive. And up until that last game we saw, which was just a hideous game with the, with Pittsburgh or with the Patriots, every game that they covered this year, they won. Um, and what I mean by that is they've been dogs a lot and, and all of those games that they covered, they ended up winning outright. So, Jalen Warren, Najee. I prefer Jalen Warren slightly, but these are just guys that are going to end up in lineups that I'm not going to hand like if I'm hand building lineups, I'm probably trying not to play them.
0: Yeah, it depends. Well, again, it it comes down to their chances of being optimal relative to their ownership, and I I got a feeling that we're going to want to click on something here. Uh, depending on you know making sure Justin Jefferson, we'll see what happens with with Madison here because Ty Chandler. I just want to throw it out there again. He could end up being crazy popular come Saturday if Madison ends up sitting out. We have two more days of practice, but Wednesday didn't practice. The ankle injury looked not not great. Not great, Bob. But uh, if Ty Chandler exists, I think that's going to save us from having to click a lot on Warren and Harris. But you can't ask for a better spot. I mean, this is the 29th ranked defense on PFF grading. They're 32nd against the uh, running back position. They are giving up tons of opportunities. The Colts are here. And... They really don't bring a whole hell of a lot to the table defensively, even though I thought it was a little bit surprising to see them second in the NFL in sacks, but that's not always indicative of actual QB pressures, and we'll see kind of what what Pittsburgh plans to do off of that embarrassing loss to New England, but something tells me they just might run these two guys into the ground. They ended up down pretty early last time out. It limited a lot of the workhorse potential for Jalen Warren, and Najee Harris. I think we see in a normal game script we see them get, you know, maybe 12, 13 carries a piece. I kind of slightly prefer Najee Harris. It's just so hard to have a favorite between these two right now. And I think that's where, you know, you're just grasping at straws and, and that, you know, you'll at least get certainty of a workload with Ty Chandler. There's not any certainty on who's going to be playing 55% of the snaps between Warren and Harris. And it's just throwing darts every single week, but you kind of have to against the Colts to some extent.
1: Looking at wide receivers too, you know, we're, wait, hold on. We got to see what Justin Jefferson's ownership is. All right. So, yep, the field is the field has sharpened recently because yeah. Pitman's all the way up there. So is St. Brown, Chase, Justin Jefferson. Not a ton of separation there. So, with with that in mind, it's I'd have less interest in Jefferson. It doesn't mean I wouldn't be interested in Jefferson for sure, but um, yeah, it just makes Chase and St. Brown and I mean, Pittman's very, very high owned, but it's hard not to like him with the he's been peppered with targets from Gardner Minshew and the Steelers defense. Again, week to week, things can change, right? We'll see as well if if Watt is going to be out there, that makes a really big difference for the Steelers D. But as it stands right now, I get why why Pittman would be so popular. It's, you know, double digit targets every single week at a seven K price point. It's hard to turn your nose up at that.
0: Yeah, it's my guy. I mean, he's been targeted at least 10 times 11 times in four consecutive games he's up to 95 catches nearly a thousand yards Tyreek Hills kind of like inflated what we think for certain wide receivers just because I mean 1500 already at this point in the season is pretty ridiculous but Michael Pittman's having an awesome awesome season and Gardner Minshew I mean the nice thing about Gardner is you know that he's gonna just key in on some of these guys especially his number one there And you can just click on it and move on. We've had some spike weeks for Josh Downs. There was obviously some early rapport there with Josh Downs, but once he and Michael Pittman got on the same page, it's been all the number one as it should be here. I'm nervous that he might end up really, really pop. I mean, 45%, he's already the most popular guy, but I mean, if we see this inflate even a little bit more, I do like Amon Ross St. Brown a lot in this spot going up against Denver. Last week it was in Chicago. They've had back-to-back road spots, and Jared Goff on the road. I don't know if it's actually just a thing. Um, you know, these splits have gotten a little bit ridiculous for him. But going back into a dome, five and a half point favorites, 25, 26 implied team total, depending on where you're looking. I mean, this is this is a seventy-nine hundred dollar price tag for Amon Ra. We were paying eighty-two hundred, eighty-eight hundred in week eleven for him because of just how certain that opportunity was. I do think one thing that's probably true is you get indoor, you get indoors here and, you know, maybe some of the routes he's running just a little bit easier for him on turf or something. Cause I mean, there's definitely been some splits for him and Jerry Goff going on the road and then coming back home, uh, New Orleans, Chicago, and now getting back into getting back home here in Detroit. I think that's going to kind of be my guy here at the top.
1: I want to ask you something because Once you get into the mid-tier of guys like Addison and Higgins and Judy, all of them getting like 15 to 20% ownership, Deontay Johnson, who I think is fine, by the way, at 5,200. What about the cheap, low-owned guys? Because you're probably going to need to to find some room for the. – you're probably going to – what I'm saying is you're going to need one of these guys to make room in some spots. So you've got like Mims at single-digit ownership, Alec Pierce at single-digit ownership – and then the the Jameson Williams, Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond on a team that has a, a pretty high implied total on this slate. But ultimately, one of these guys probably has a decent enough game that you're going to want them. Nobody looks great, though, down here in this sub 4K range.
0: Yeah, I, I don't want it to be as basic as to say, like, play the ownership game, but it's going to probably be a lot of, like, who is coming along with my stacks, like,
1: I said the same thing to Ben on Tuesday. A lot of doubles. I think
0: the Addison combination with Jefferson makes tons of sense. The Higgins combination with Jamar Chase.
1: Pierce with Minshew, if you're trying to go real cheap, obviously you have Pittman in there as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, Alec Pierce made me feel very, very good on that Thursday spag show that I did. Um, You know, I I love doing that week 13 recap and just looking at how much Alec Pierce I had at 0.3% ownership. That's obviously going to come up here on a three-game slate, so I don't think we're going to get – and you know what you're running into. You're looking for those deep shots for for Alec Pierce to come along for the ride, but it's going to be a lot more of just like pairing those guys together with stacks to get the doubles. I guess the contrarian thing is just kind of keeping them singles or just all, full-on onslaughts, being on either direction of that, because I think the doubles will end up being pretty popular – I'm going to go back and kind of look at some two and three game slates and seeing how much people are doing that. Cause I feel like it's going to be more than on a typical main slate where you have a couple more options, but anywho, uh, I'll I don't save really some
1: time, man, go listen to the podcast exclusive. We went through all of them. Look at that. See this. I
0: am setting yeah, you up. That's what it was. Um, I don't have a favorite. I think it's probably going to be one of those Pittsburgh guys. I mean, Deontay Johnson, 5,200. He didn't practice Wednesday. If you see him for some reason, sit out for this one again, he's got to get on the field today for practice. This is technically Friday for these, for these games. So this is the practice report that matters today. If you don't see Johnson out there, George Pickens at 4,800, is going to get crazy steamed as he probably should.
1: Yeah. I also think this is one of those slates where we saw it with the Monday night one where you had a bunch of like QB or wide receiver running back without QB lineups that did really well. Moss, Pittman, no Minshew, you know. Uh, hell, even like Chase, Mixon, no Browning. I don't think you have to be – I don't think you're obligated to tie a top receiver to the quarterback, but I love the idea of playing a running back with them as well on some of these teams because you could absolutely see like a St. Brown-Montgomery game, right, without mm-hmm. without Jared Goff. You could absolutely see Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon without Browning. Uh, with the volume, you could see – Pittman based on PPR alone, if he gets in the end zone and there isn't much else in the passing game with Zach Moss, who's gotten a ton of goal line work without the Garner Minshew attachment, that is a spot that I'm definitely interested in this week.
0: I'm with you. And I I think one kind of, um, I guess uh, we have six quarterbacks on this slate. I don't think any of them are quote unquote running quarterbacks. Russell Wilson's the closest you have to a running quarterback out of the six we have. Uh, Trubisky and Mullins, once upon a time, like five, 10 years ago, could have been considered as such, or five years ago, it would be for both of them. Garner, Minshew, Browning, Goff, Wilson, these are all pocket passers. So, you know, unless it's like a one yard QB sneak, or, you know, I could see Russell Wilson coming around for a five yard touchdown run, but like these are all going to be quarterbacks set up to to go to doubles. Or if, as you said, you're playing Moss and Pittman, if you can land on the double that isn't them in conjunction with those lineups, which you know, it's more than fine on a slate like this. I think you're really running away from some of like the the overlapping builds. So uh, yeah, how I'm going to be constructing my lineups is going to be more important than like who's in the lineups to a certain extent uh, when we talk about these like four to six K
1: wide receivers. How about this, man? Tight ends. Oh yeah. I was a little surprised to see Hawkinson with the highest ownership. I thought it would be Sam Laporta at virtually the same price point.
0: I've said that I think every week with TJ Hawkinson, where I'm always floored by what his ownership is early and it starts to fade by Sunday. But I think it's like the, the target certainty, no matter who's behind center. I mean, the guy is such a pivotal part of uh, I almost said our offenses. If I'm a part of the Minnesota Vikings, but they're well, my you team. Are. You,
1: listen, you, ah. you, well, you think about it. Um, the amount of years they've taken off your life. How could yeah. you not say we and our?
0: Eric Link was dead at 38. It's coming. I can feel it. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Vikings induced stroke. Just,
0: come on. If, if they have another Minnesota miracle followed by that Philadelphia Eagles trash game, I probably will be dead. But TJ Hawkinson, <laughs> 5,800. I, I mean, that's really, really cheap for a guy that has seen only one game of less than six targets all season long. I mean, that's, that's as certain as it gets for a target. And it won't matter if it's Mullins or Dobbs or Cousins or whomever else you're just always seeing guaranteed workload for him. I mean, they brought him in from Detroit to be just a go-to guy every single week. And now you're getting a pretty low price point. I'm probably surprised that he's higher owned than Laporta. I'm with you. That's your guy, Sam Laporta. And there's been no reason that you should be shying away from him. Last week, again, Chicago on the road, golf, all of those things. I, I truly think this golf dome thing, whether it's cold weather or whatever else, there is something there to some extent and Sam Laporta coming off of what? He had 32 there in a dome in New Orleans the week before that. He got to Chicago and it was just a lackadaisical, ridiculous football game from Detroit. I think we see, I think we see a lot of Sam Laporta here yet again. He had just been just going completely ham. The, the target share, it's not as secure as what Hawkinson is, which is maybe why we're seeing that. But I mean, there's no doubt that Sam Laporta 6K, I'd be happy to get to as much of him as I get to.
1: Yeah, I like both. Don't get me wrong. I just mean, when you reintroduce Justin Jefferson to this lineup True. and you have a Jordan Addison there, you know, Hawkinson's still the two, I would think, but Justin Jefferson's going to siphon off some of that opportunity.
0: Yep. And Jordan Addison's kind of faded to the background though. Um, for sure.
1: He, yeah, he's a, he hit the rookie wall. It happens, you know?
0: Yeah. You get dinged up a little bit and you have, you're the number one. I mean, he put the team on his back though for a hot second and- I feel as though we'll see him come back out of this at some point in time. I just don't know quarterback switch, getting Jefferson back. I mean, that's probably the one guy on the Vikings that I, I'm, I mean, most people I feel like are out on at the moment, but TJ Hawkinson for sure, Sam Laporta for sure. Rest of the tight end position. I mean, it's just kind of, I mean, Pat Fryermuth, if there's going to be no Deontay Johnson, but that's not a foregone conclusion. Well, yet. can I
1: say something to a point that you made earlier in the show? Mm-hmm. When we were talking about uh, low-owned, cheap wide receivers, tying your receiver to your quarterback in stat or your your tight end to your quarterback tends to me to make a lot of sense. Like if I if I'm going Garner Minshew, and I you know you don't have the money for Hawkinson or Laporta, Kylan Grants, you know yeah. if I I don't think I'll be going much Fryer or much uh, Trubisky, but y- y- even like Browning, Tanner Hudson. It, it might just be one of those spots where you say, screw it. They're cheap. If I'm not getting to one of the top guys, I'll just tie them to my, bless you. I'll just tie them to my quarterback.
0: Thank you. I'm a pre- professional who can find the mute button. That was good. Nice. Thank you. Getting better. Uh, but yeah, I'm totally with you. I think the Colts situation is a little wonky. This tight end situation, I'm just looking through it right now. We had Kylan Grantson. He only ran around on forty-two percent of draftbacks. and and I know what eight point seven five a dot, fifteen percent air yard share, yada yada yada. Mo alley Cox, sixteen percent there. Will Mallory, he ran around thirty-seven percent of the time there. He was on the field a lot, um, compared to what I would expect for a guy. I didn't know his name until just now. Um, Will Mallory, I, I will throw out twenty-five hundred. You're going to the floor there. They've basically just. I mean, Mo Alley-Cox is going to be just a – he's, like, nowhere to be found. Seven catches on the year? I don't know. 2,500 Will Mallory. If you're trying to, like, zero out your salary, get all the studs, get super, super different. The nice thing about tight end is if you can get one of these cheapies that gets that goal line target, gets the seven points on a touchdown, sweet. You're you're probably really, really good unless Hawkinson and Laporta go completely berserk. I guess Friar Muth has that potential too, but – will obviously be pretty dependent on Deontay Johnson.
1: Favorite stack for Saturday, favorite type of build for Saturday. Give the people what they want.
0: Okay. So, I mean, I've been thinking about this. The double running back from Detroit definitely makes some sense to me, going Gibbs and Montgomery. I prefer Montgomery. I, I think we've made that pretty clear. But there are these double running back situations. Warren Harris looking at, at, at Mixon and Brown, like, I think that this is more viable on this three-game slate than just about anywhere else. Zach Moss is still the the signature piece of the position based on our projections, based on current ownership. I mean, his opportunity cannot be understated here. Yes, it's another difficult spot going up against Pittsburgh, but at a dome and home, I'm willing to just ride with it again in a large share of my lineups. I got to say Cincinnati going up against Minnesota secondary. They played really, really good against Aiden O'Connell last week. That's Aiden O'Connell. And I don't know if I buy into Jake Browning being completely ballistic, but I buy into Jamar Chase being elite. I mean, the guy is just ridiculous. And yeah, they still found ways to put up points without him last week. Something tells me he gets right back into the mix here again this week. So looking at doubles on that perspective. And then Alec Pierce, I'll just go back to it. These are the kind of clicks you want to make on these three-game slates. He is very dependent on a deep shot. Very, very dependent on it. But you saw against Tennessee... They took four deep shots on him of over twenty yards, and he came down with two of them. So uh, that ended up being the difference maker: the long touchdown, fifty-yard touchdown catch, followed by a couple of extra targets there. The one in overtime. Love Alec Pierce is at thirty-five hundred; is kind of a salary saver that he is boom bust. But I'm absolutely here for it. Who's who's your favorite stack on the slate?
1: My favorite stack on the slate is probably Indy. Ooh, there you go. But. I look at Indy Cincy. Detroit's pretty obvious, but uh, I, I think Indy gives you. Let's do this. Let's build. A, let's build a quick lineup before we go to the Sunday. Love site. it. All right, Jordan, pull up DK for us. Uh, why don't we? Let, why don't we try to build one with a with an Indy stack and see what it looks like. Min like Shoup, you want to? You want to start Shoup, Pitt, with Pittman
0: Pierce. Done. Okay.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And and this would be a chalk fade on Moss. I mean, if you want to throw Moss in here, you can, but maybe i mean we i don't think we have to Minshew, Pittman, pierce if i were to throw let's just say like detroit defense in at 3100 that gives us 6100 mm. per player remaining over our last five players so who do you want
0: well then we got to take david montgomery i'm going to take my guy monty here in this spot 6400 uh, five and a half point favorites we've laid out all the reasons why but I think we see it flip back in his favor in a game script that should go their way
1: okay uh i'm going to do i'm going to do take an approach that you and i discussed i'm going to pair saint brown with montgomery with no jared goff Mm
0: -hmm. love it well you got what 5400 here so we can get one of the tight ends that we want to uh i think this is where you click on tj hawkinson 5800 i know you know, we're a little bit surprised to see the ownership where it is on, on some of these guys. It's him or Friar Muth. We could just then spend all of the money uh, and all of the land on everything. But I think TJ Hawkinson with Nick Mullins makes some sense to me to to continue writing. I mean, what? One game without six targets. That's a that's a pretty guaranteed target share there. I'll live with the results. All
1: right. I'm going to put you in a difficult spot, but I I, I presume that you can overcome the odds. Because we don't have Jamar Chase, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Mixon in there. So we have some Cincinnati exposure, and he has looked good. Sure, Chase Brown a little involved, but I'm gonna go Mixon. That gives you 3,900 remaining.
0: Pat Fryer-Muth, easy click. Um okay, there you I go. think I think putting him as your run back from that game, he is Oh, it's um, our
1: run back. I didn't even think about that. This yeah. is a nice lineup.
0: Yeah, I think having double tight end, I will say if there's one thing that has changed in my process from the last from pre sims to now sims i have so many double tight end because the wide receiver and running back value no longer exists and when it does people latch onto it like the last chopper out of Nam. it is insane <laughs> to see how this works out because zach moss when he's sub 5k everybody jumps on board if you have a wide receiver that's sub 4k that saw eight targets the week before everybody's on board but at tight end People are just still apprehensive hand-building or people who aren't in our industry to build out with two double tight ends. They have more guaranteed workloads and they have more salary savings attached to them than they've ever had before because it's relative to all the positions. So I've been doing a lot of double tight ends this year. It's been fruitful. We've seen them at the top of leaderboards nonstop. There's a reason for it.
1: Our Sims tool has loved double tight end this year. Yes. And we actually saw some weeks where The Sims tool recommended double. You have to just trust it sometimes because there was that Jake Ferguson, Dalton Schultz week that if you had both of them, you were in really good shape. Really good shape. So I'm with you. Um, We'll take a look at the Sims in a little bit here. Very interesting. uh, Interested to do that, to see what type of exposures we're getting. Uh, Matter of fact, what's wrong?
0: Uh, Pierce, St. Brown. Oh, uh, Pittman. And then defense was 3,200. Uh, blah, it was
1: blah, 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 Lions. what was it? Lions. Yeah. 3,100. Uh, Oh yeah. How about this? I have a, uh, and yeah, we're doing main slate right now. Don't worry. This show won't be too long. I have a prize picks. I have a prize picks prop for you. Can't wait. Uh, 100% first match deposit bonus, if you're not there yet, link in the description and in chat, particularly for you guys, not in betting states, prize picks is blowing up for good reason, I saw they're doing this, I'm in a legal betting state, by the way, but uh, like I said, 100% first match deposit bonus, so you put $100 in, you have 200 you put 20 in, you have 40 it doubles no matter what, there it is, your balance is doubled. Uh, and we have some amazing prize picks content here and on our Odd Shopper channel. If you want to make sure you're getting the best stuff on Odd Shopper, we also have uh, the the p- prize picks pick them uh, builder. What's the demons and goblins thing? I'm so seeing? it
0: just showed up today, and I'm glad you asked because I was kind of going through that this morning. Demons, they are inflated projections on players, and so they end up getting a higher payout tier. So places like underdog other places. Like... Yes. So a lot of these other pick them places, they've gone to hundred X and prize picks. You know, they are the, they are the industry standard when it comes to pick them. These demon and goblins, the goblins, they're the easier to win projection. So it ends up reducing your payout, but they are technically easier to accomplish. I'm going to start looking at that. This is basically their alternate lines. When you're building out a single game parlay in legal States and at certain spots, you get these different numbers where it's like, oh, okay, Joel Embiid, 33.5 and a half points, 38 and a half points, 40 and a half points. And you have like different tiers where you're getting better plus money yeah. as you go. So the demons, those are the ones that can get you really ramped up. So if you feel like there's a specific spot, like Nick Mullins, 274 and a half, I haven't projected for 236 yards here in this spot. I think that would be a little bit aggressive here, depending on what my current payout is. You put a couple of these together. I was just screwing around with it before the show. If you put two of them together, it pays out 7x. That is what a demon play is going to be. It's all relative, though. I think you can combine, though, game environments that we think might shoot out where, hey, if the game goes above expectation, we have an opportunity to take the moors on some of those and you're able to slam it. Then you have like the goblins, which are the lower projections. You can only take mores on those, and if you combine two of those together, you are looking at just a 1.4x payout. So it's a really low payout yeah, structure for I'm those good on
1: that.
0: Yeah, I, passing well, on those. But the
1: problem I'm gonna is think- when you the problem is with those, you have to combine a ton of them. You see these people do ladder challenges on Twitter, and they're like mm-hmm. the most minus EV plays you could ever imagine. They're combining five legs to get minus yep. 110 odds. It's insane, guys. Like the amount of things that can go wrong with that, putting five minus 600 props together is insane just to double your 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 stake. I mean, if I'm doing it, I'm finding spots I love, talking about what you're saying, trying to hit on game uh, atmosphere, and I'm hitting the demons.
0: Yeah, so I'm hitting the demons, and I think there's an actual demon that you want to be clicking on, and this is kind of where I'm leading into right now. You have... Austin Eckler, 0.5 rushing plus receiving touchdowns here going up against Vegas tonight. Now, you add the more to it. I have him for a baseline projection of 0.53 uh, touchdowns. You can only take a more on it. But if he finds his way in the box, you combine that with another demon or with a regular projection, and you're running into either 4X or 7X payouts, that's, that, that is more typical of a parlay. Now I always do a lot of cross referencing where I'll jump over and I'll build it out at a sports book and I'll jump over to prize picks. You should be doing the same damn thing. It pays out a little bit better on prize picks today to have Austin Eckler based on his touchdown odds. than it is to have some of these other pieces together. You could combine it like with just a Travis Kelsey touchdown. That's nearly four X 3.75 X just on a regular projection piece. If you add it with another goblin, that's or sorry another uh, demon that's seven x i sound crazy i feel like i'm playing a fantasy game when i'm talking about this but uh austin eckler i really like that demon if you're looking for one on the board currently
1: i like it quentin johnston over 26 and a half receiving yards there's a demon on him at 49 and a half if you want to get crazy Ooh. but played almost 90 percent of snaps last week he ran more routes than keenan allen 47 routes run for quentin johnston this team is cooked. Why not take your first round player and see what he can do? Okay. Whether Brandon Staley's here or gone tomorrow is irrelevant. See what Quentin Johnston can do. Palmer is back, but Keenan Allen is out. He's going to play Johnson, probably 95% of snaps today. 26 and a half receiving yards, not a bad number at all, just given that he'll be on the field the entirety of this game.